two, one. All right, welcome back to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spies. Provolone is our entitled intern manning the production elements, and we're joined now by John Clark, founder and CEO of Clark Energy Consulting. And hey, well, you get some background before we get into the oil prices and, and everything. You you do have a little bit of background in oil and gas, don't you? That's right, Jason. Yeah, my background, I'm a petroleum engineer. So I've been working in oil and gas since 2008. Uh, I recall when oil prices were 130 something dollars a barrel. The precipitous drop in 2014 and uh, also the lows we've seen in oil price in 2016 and, and recently uh, this weekend as well. So I've uh, been in industry over a decade, witnessed plenty of changes in the market and happy to share my perspective. Well, I'm glad that you've got that experience because I do want to ask you, because I, I, I'll be up front. I, I think this one is different than the other two you mentioned, the other two downturns, 14 and 8. I believe this one is different. We can talk about that later. But uh, let, let's get to your uh, OG brief, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, I got the preview here a little bit emailed to me. I haven't had a chance to read it over yet, but it looks like it's it's what we're all expecting to talk about today, which is the oil price drop. The word bloodbath has come out many times on the news networks. And let's let's hear your perspective. What should people know? What can people do when it comes to the oil prices? So this week, the OG brief is titled Oil Price War and Politics Shale Fights for Survival. And, you know, over the weekend, Saudi Arabia slashed prices and said that they were going to ramp up production after Russia declined to scale back their output. It's, um, it's a unique situation. And one of my favorite authors, his name is Daniel Jurgen. If you ever get a chance, there's two books that he wrote, highly recommend. One is called The, uh, it's called the Prize, which was written in the 90s. Um, Daniel Jurgen is, is a well-known author, and the book, The Prize, is about ultimately the commercialization of oil from John D. Rockefeller to the Seven Sisters through, you know, Standard Oil from the very beginning of, you know, industry finding oil and gas and then basically the chase for the prize for crude oil, you know, how uh, ExxonMobil went into Saudi Arabia, we found a lot of their reserves uh, the Americans got kicked out of Saudi. Saudi took control over, you know, basically what the Americans found for them as their primary per- reservoir and, and kind of just the commercialization of oil and gas, which is interesting. It's a, it's a history book on oil. Um, you can glean a lot of good information um, about kind of how oil has become a political uh, positioning element and the, his second book that came out in 2011 was titled The Quest, Energy Security and the Remaking of the Modern World. I highly recommend that one as well. It talks about how oil um, you know, is, is, is a, can be used as a weapon in <laughs> geopolitical uh, matters and how Russia you know, and China play into that as Russia attempts to ultimately 
you know, grow their resource base as a huge landmass that has a lot of hydrocarbons competing with the likes of Saudi Arabia and the U.S. Obviously, the U.S. has been the number one producer of oil at 13 million barrels per day. Uh, Saudi and Russia just closely behind that. That's that's going to change. Saudi will become top producer in, in Russia. I think this year we'll see the U.S. production decline. But you know, those are the big three players in this market, and and there's definitely geo some geopolitical elements to the the drop in oil price. Well, I think there's several things happening, and the geopolitical is is one thing, and that's the thing I think a lot of people are used to is a lot of the geopolitical. They don't like it, but they're at least used to it. The coronavirus is a little different because, I mean, you're talking about people canceling events and talking about changes in behavior in terms of going to and from work and whether you work from home and whether you work from the office and just simple ramifications and implications there really send a ripple through all kinds of different industries. So uh, are you checking into the coronavirus at all? I know a lot of people are still think it's overblown and a lot of people think it's, you know, it's already here. So I'm not getting into that whole part of it, but it does seem to have had an impact on the energy sector. Absolutely. Daniel Jurgen himself uh, came on CNBC yesterday and he said in the first quarter, they estimated that oil demand was down almost 4 million barrels per day as a result of the coronavirus. That's significant. Um, and, and you know, I, I was shocked to see how much, um, you know, the media covered coronavirus, but also really how it is impacting demand as China factories have shut down, you know, China being one of the biggest demand buyers. And now that it's here in the U.S., you know, we're starting to see more uh, more cases and and. You know, here in Houston, um, I'm not sure. Rice University canceled classes all week. Uh, so, and I, I've heard other colleges have have canceled classes. Basically, an extended spring break for them. But many events have been canceled. Uh, I, I, you know, travel. Obviously, the airlines use a lot of petroleum, and and they're you know people aren't traveling. I haven't. I had a friend that went to the airport recently, and he said it was dead. Um, and he travels quite a bit and people aren't traveling. People are staying home. So it, it, it is impacting demand to the tune of 4 million barrels per day. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So what should people do? That's kind of the million dollar question. And I know that you can't predict the future. So, you know, in press releases, I think they call that forward statements. You know, we got to make sure that uh, we don't get sued for the next question, but there is something to be said about being able to kind of read the tea leaves, being able to check the signs a little bit and navigate yourself through some of these tough times. You know, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, Trump told everybody to go buy stocks and then the stock market just took a crash. So, you know, not, not everybody could, you know, bat a, a thousand. But uh, what, what are you seeing? What should people, you know, keep an eye on in terms of making decisions, especially over the next, say, next 30 to 60 days even? You know, I think a lot of people are are comparing this crash to you know the one in 2014-16. Uh, I guess 2016, if you recall, was a um, you know an election year. We saw oil dip to twenty six dollars a barrel in late February, and then it rebounded for the rest of the year. Um, and you know, all was gravy after that. 
I, I think this year is different. Um, it's 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 different because a lot of the shale ENP companies that were able to secure funding to develop operations, especially in the Permian in 2016-17, have no cash available to them. And so what's what we will probably see is reduction in spending by ENPs, which we we were already talking about this before oil dropped into the 30s. We were talking about this in the 50s. And, and so it's just putting more pressure on the ENP companies um, and the investors are continuing to scream out, you know, capital austerity and free cash flow. And, and when oil prices are in the 30s, companies, you know, most companies are not making free cash flow. And the only way to do that is to reduce costs. And that will be in the form of, unfortunately, could be layoffs um, and possibly, you know, cost reductions. I know um, Diamondback and Parsley Energy came out yesterday saying that they're immediately reducing uh, their rig count and frack crew counts. I think we'll start to see more of that. Um, you know, companies could continue to sell assets, but there's not many buyers at, you know, at, at this point. Um, so it's, it's going to be, you know, the strong will survive. I think the good news is that, a lot, you know, fast forwarding to today, we now know where the more prolific areas in the Permian, which was less explored and was one of the main funding drivers in 2016-17. Now investors know, okay, here are the better acreage positions, and those companies will, um, you know, will seek to possibly see you know M&A activity, um, the, and you know the the smaller companies may have to merge. So we'll probably see more M&A activity in the next few months, um, but that remains to be seen. I, I think that you're right on that. In fact, I think that was going to happen regardless. I think that when you take a look at, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at my backyard, say in the Bakken, Whiting and um, Oasis. These guys are carrying pretty large debt loads right now. And this was, you know, in December when they were putting out their, you know, their annual reports and their public information, if you will. And like, I think Whiting was $1.5 billion. And that's when oil prices were much better than they were right now. Uh, I do think there's going to be some changes. I think that there's going to be some mergers and acquisitions. I think what's happened right now will probably speed some of it up. And uh, I think we're going to, by the summer, the industry is going to be looking a lot different than it is today. You're right. And, and I think what enabled a lot of operators to reduce costs, you know, in the last downturn was you know, service companies were able to offer lower pricing, but they've, you know, they've scratched to the bottom of where they can offer pricing, the service companies. And I don't know if they can reduce costs anymore. Uh, and so I think, you know, the last OG brief, we talked about drilling longer wells and fracking faster with efficiencies. Those trends will still remain. I think for the, you know, the companies that continue to operate, that will be key, but it's just to the point where it's, you know, th there's this, the, the cost to produce shale is at the really the lowest that it can get to. And so, you know, the next step would be consolidation. That's a great point. I forgot about that. That's a really, really good point. Um, yeah. Anyway, 
So what else we got? Go ahead. Sorry. Well, yeah, and the the no the 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 last uh, I guess gloomy point to this conversation, which is not a fun one to have, is uh, if if we sustain below you know forty fifty dollars a barrel for you know the next couple of years, which I don't know if that'll happen, but uh, <laughs> Pioneer CEO Scott Sheffield was quoted saying that probably fifty percent of the public EMPs will go bankrupt over the next two years. That's pretty pretty shocking uh, but then again Jurgen, the uh um you know the guy i mentioned previously he he says that he doesn't think that this um low price environment can last too long because it's not only affecting the u.s shale but it's affecting saudi and russia so i don't know if this oil price war will last for you know years it, it may be months but the other thing it's interesting that russia's prime minister putin has a there basically an election coming up April 22nd and so I think that's where some of the politics come into play um, we'll see what uh, I, I think there will we will see su- suppressed pricing over the next two months and uh, that may be when we see a lot of this MA consolidation but it, but it will probably continue you know throughout the year you know I'm a little surprised that the um, American energy independence uh, bravado hasn't been brushed off yet because this is the exact reason why we wanted to be uh, independent, why we did not want to rely on OPEC, why everybody would get behind Trump when he said that we're, we're going to ditch him and leave him behind. We're going to produce our own energy. And this is a great example I'm, you know, I'm a, do you know what I mean by that, John? I'm a little surprised that that bravado hasn't been brushed off by now. Like we got to get back to American in, in, energy independence once again, because the one thing that you said that you're right on is that if you control the supply of energy, you can control the economy. Now you didn't say those words, but you did. And so, I mean, you danced around it with your geopolitical talk, but at the end of the day, that's the bottom line. If you can really control somebody's uh, energy supply, you can also really impact their economy. And that's exactly what happened over the last week. You're right. And one thing I'll talk more about in the future is something called the petrodollar. It's uh, basically when when America came off the gold standard, um, with Richard Nixon in the 70s, after the oil Arab embargo, the, the basically the U.S. and the International Monetary Fund decided to make the dollar on, instead of the gold standard, basically the oil standard. And that is what is called the petrodollar. It requires all oil exporting nations to sell their barrels of oil in U.S. dollars. So there is a link between the U.S. economy and oil in other parts of the world. Which doesn't always get talked about, but it's there. It... Well, and we, we've we talked about this in our program before a couple times in the past, but we always preface it. We always started off by saying these are conversations we have off the record, usually after a couple cocktails late at night in a lounge somewhere. Because that's the type of environment where these conversations get talked about. Because it is. It is really a 5,000, 5,000 foot view. And just to add on what you're talking about with the petrodollars, a lot of times when I have these conversations, it's more about the 
the, the dollar is backed by the country that has the military that can protect the flow of energy. And right now the flow of energy is fossil fuels. So the country that has the military and the cooperation and the political savvy to really control and protect the flow of energy has control of the dollar. And that's really what it's backed by. And, you know, it's kind of what you're talking about, but I just wanted to add that little extra layer of the, you know, the military in there because that's a big component of it too. Right. Winston Churchill was quoted by saying that he who has the oil wins the war. So it's, and, and, you know, and that's what Jurgen talks about in his book about energy security. Uh, and, and you're right. We, our industry doesn't give enough, we don't get enough credit um, for all the work that's been done to, you know, unlock shale resources. And, and I think in the future, you know, I think Saudi Arabia is looking at shale, you know, South America. Um, there's a lot of potential for, for shale to take American ingenuity and the innovations that we've learned here and apply that elsewhere. That's really, you know, Americans are the ones that discovered oil in the first place for the whole world. So it's, uh, you know, it's amazing. Well, I got some homework for you, sir, because I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on for a second. And I, I also believe that it's not even a tinfoil hat anymore because I, I'm starting to have these conversations publicly, which I couldn't have before. Um, in fact, my, my program I had yesterday with Dr. Lawrence C. Scott, we talked about this, which is the amount of foreign companies. And what we talked about with Dr. Scott was the amount of foreign companies that are getting into the natural gas world, because like over in Europe, for example, natural gas is 12, 13, 14, 15 bucks, you know, for per MCF. And over in the United States, you can get it for under three bucks. You can get it for like two bucks. So what some of these foreign companies are doing is they're going down to Lake Charles. They're going down to Corpus Christi. And they're building petrochemical plants instead of doing it over in Europe because they're saving 10, 12 bucks, you know, per MCF. And so the savings is incredible. And because of the global economy and the global market we live in today, they can do that. And part of my conspiratorial mind, which I don't think it is anymore, I wonder how much of this is so foreign companies can come in and buy up some companies that are going to be impacted by this. So I don't know if you want to comment on that or if you want to do some homework on that, but do, do you kind of, do, do you see where I'm going with that, John? Yeah. I, I mean, I'll have to do some homework on that. It's not, that's interesting. I, uh, I do know that the natural gas to Europe is a big deal and that, you know, that Trump put sanctions on Russia's Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which would basically buckle down their hold on Europe's gas supply, and that threatens U.S. LNG. So that's uh, another interesting political dynamic. Um, LNG is 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 the way of the future, but it's it's suffering too right now at less than two bucks in MCF. I think, and I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm not saying good, bad, and different because hey, listen, if somebody from France comes in and wants to buy your company and it's going to better your family, that's great. That's to me, that's what capitalism's all about. Go enjoy your retirement. Go, go have fun. You know, go start a new company. Maybe go buy a, a Subway franchise, a Whataburger, whatever you want to do, man. Have fun. And so I get that. But at the same time, um, if you're, you know, if, if you've got that much control from the OPEC side of things where you can impact the market and then turn around and 
come in and pick up the pieces, that's a different story. That's kind of like uh, insider trading baseball type of a thing. So um, anyway, that's just, see, this is what happens when you get involved with John Clark and the Clark Energy Consulting with his OG briefs. It's like bubble gum for the mind. It just start you start chewing it around, man. <laughs> Anyway, but so what else we got this week? Anything to wrap up? I know we kind of uh, went a little bit into overtime, but we had to because right now people need to know what's going on and you're in the business of allowing people the information that you have and giving them the insight that you have. So let's uh, kind of what else we talking about and summarize and keep things moving here. Yeah, no, I, I would just say keep your heads up. Uh... You know, if if you got time to check out those two books by Daniel Jurgen, I highly do recommend it. And um, yeah, buckle up for for a fun ride. And how can people get your information? Contact you. Give yourself a plug if you wouldn't mind. Sure, you can go to ClarkEnergyConsulting.com, and uh, if you'd like to book a consultation with me, you can do so online. Thanks for having me on the show, Jason. <laughs>